I want to invite you now to kneel with me and let's, let's come before the Lord and have a, just a short season of prayer here and get started into our study. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we thank you so very, very much for your wonderful love and care for us. While we were sinners and enemies, you still love us. You sent your son Jesus to, to save us. He showed us the right way to live. He taught us about uh, the truth about you. That you are love. You so loved the world that you gave. And we are appreciative of that. We thank you for uh, the Sabbath day that uh, you created. That we could come together and worship you. That we can put aside our uh, temporal uh, issues and, uh, and come together and rest. Gain that spiritual rest that we so need, as well as the physical and mental rest. We thank you for Jesus that he died for our sins, that we could be forgiven. And Lord, we pray that you do forgive us. We claim the promise of First John 1, 9. We pray for cleansing. We pray for the early rain to do its work, that we may hasten the, uh, the latter rain. Father, we pray for those who are ailing, those who are in ill health. I think of Susan's Uncle Jack who broke his, his leg. That's just... Uh, uh, I've had broken ankles and stuff and it's just terrible. And we pray that you be very near to him. Be with Jerry who um, didn't have a good night. We don't know exactly what um, the, the issue is, but you do. We pray that you be very near to her. Uh, Lord, we need a, a new place uh, to worship in Battle Creek, we pray that you will direct us to the place that you would have us, that we can function and uh, have a base there to do our evangelistic work. And please be with those who may still be traveling to houses of worship and keep them safe. And Father, we pray for our families. We pray for the husbands and wives who are you know, having a hard time. We pray for our children. We claim Proverbs, that promise that uh, they will return. Keep them safe until that day comes. And Lord, I humbly ask that you give me the words to speak to the congregation today, that they be your words, that they be the truth, that they reach hearts. And not, uh, not my words, but thy words. Thank you so much that we have the promise of heaven. We look forward to the day that we will all be together and sin and the devil will be destroyed forever. Thank you, Lord, for hearing this. I ask it in the name of Jesus, who's worthy. Amen. This is... Part 3 of our study about the biblical role of the woman, the wife, and the mother. This will be the last part. <laughs> In part 
um, in part one. We looked at some of the differences between men and women. That was one of the, the reasons for most divorces in this country, at least, anyway, is that there is a lack of knowledge between the differences. And, of course, I'm not talking about physical differences, although there, some of those aren't readily noticeable. <laughs> but uh, the, the differences in how God created a man and how he created a woman. And that's very important because in order for us to have better communication... Uh, between husband and wife, we need to have a better understanding of how we're made and learn the languages. And so we covered uh, uh, some of those differences in part one. And and then we also began looking at the biblical role of the, the woman, the wife, and the mother. And in part two, we learned three roles of seven that I'm going to present. We learned three roles for the woman or the wife. First, let me share with these with you. First is that she is, based on Genesis 2 and verse 18, which was our scripture reading, she is the helpmate for the man. Men and women were created equal in their relationship to God and each other. And this is where a lot of the men get confused. But, but uh, uh, the man and the woman, they were created equal in their relationship to God and each other. Among other things... That infers companionship, love, affection, and in particular for a married couple, sexual intimacy. That's part of creating a family. The second role we talked about was that she is to be a servant. Men and women, again, they're equal in the eyes of God, but they have different roles. Women are to submit to the man unless... It places them in a position of disobeying God. Now, she is to be a servant, not a slave. And we talked about the differences. And the third thing, the third role, she is to be a manager of the home. And we spent quite a lot of time on this. Um, We learned that the home is to be a little heaven on earth. And because you have a home, you have household duties. They're to be done efficiently and in good order to please the husband and God. Remember, as a servant, not as a slave. But this includes, as we learn, being um, orderly, being industrious. At times, they have to be a nurse. They are to be a cook, a seamstress, a maid, and able to handle finances efficiently. Now, They can either do it themselves, they're the manager, or they can have someone else doing it, but it's their responsibility. That's what God has laid out upon them. Now before we get into the fourth role, I want to share this quote again. It's from Testimonies for the Church, Volume 2. Page 465. God has assigned woman her mission. Who assigned it? Doesn't say the husband, does it? Thank God. <laughs> you, you say that, but what have I heard from you? 
Yes, thank God. God has assigned woman her mission. And if she, in her humble way, yet to the best of her ability, makes a heaven of her home, faithfully and lovingly performing her duties to her husband and children, continually seeking to let a holy light shine from her useful, pure, and virtuous life to brighten all around her. She is doing the work left her of the Master and will hear from His divine lips the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. I wanted to share that just as a reminder that it's not the husband, it's not Pastor Joel who's saying these are the, this is the role of the woman. This is your mission. But that it's God that has assigned woman her mission. Okay? <laughs> Very well said. <laughs> well, that wouldn't be that would be unchristlike, wouldn't it? And so <clears throat> that kind of gets us I wanted to get us on the, the right understanding because, you know, I went through when we talked about the leader of the home the role of the man, I went through seven uh, particular uh, roles that God has for the man of the home. And I went through the details of that. And I emphasized that it's God and it, who has set that role, created man for that role. And here again, it's God who has assigned the mission for the woman as well. And He created her to fulfill this mission. And there are differences between the roles Thus, there are differences in the way God created man and woman to fulfill those roles. That's not saying that a man from time to time cannot do some of the things that the woman has you know, been assigned to her by God and, and vice versa. Okay? <laughs> now, it's interesting you say that. My wife said, that's right. Sometimes men can do the dishes and women can take out the trash. Now, I, I don't find a Bible scripture that says man is required to take out the trash. Okay? That's heavy. <laughs> oh, well. We have fun with it, friends. We have fun with it. So, uh, here's, here's a, a fourth role of a woman. And, and the fourth role is that she is to be a missionary. Remember, I read, God has assigned woman her mission. She's to be a missionary. And regardless if you're married or not, ladies, you are called to be a missionary for Christ. Your first field of work as a missionary is your own household. Now, if you're single, I mean, there's not a whole lot that you're going to do in your own household. I mean, you it's your household. You do have to do what we talked about as a manager of the home. But you don't have any children. You don't have a husband. You can actually get things done probably and, and have them in good order and do more in the church in a mission field as someone who's single. But your first work as a missionary is in your own household. And this is a training for you for being outside your household, see? To be a missionary for the Lord, you must be trained in household responsibilities. In fact, the greatest missionary field is within your own home. Do you believe that, ladies? 
My wife is shaking her head yes. I'm sorry. She's nodding yes. I guess shaking would be no. Uh, Thank you for clarifying that for me. Listen to this. Testimonies for the Church, Volume 2, page 465. Women who are doing with ready willingness what their hands find to do, with cheerfulness of spirit, aiding their husbands to bear their burdens, and training their children for God, are missionaries in the highest sense. You can't get any higher than that. That's the highest. The highest sense. Right? Notice here, she, what she's saying is that, that the wife is to be the helpmate, you see, of the husband. So, she, with willingness and cheerfulness of spirit, is aiding her husband to bear the burdens. She's being a helpmate. And, and in the home, training her children for God. That's a missionary in the highest sense. So, whatever our role, you guys and and the ladies, whatever our role, we are to be consistently educating ourselves to perform our duties more and more efficiently and with simplicity. Remember we talked about simplicity before. Thus becoming more and more organized and orderly like that of God and His government. Continuing education in the school of Christ. I will tell you this. And the perfecting of home skills is a necessity to carry out your mission. For example, if you don't know how to handle finances, what should you do? Just keep going? You need to be... What? If you don't know how to handle finances, take a course on budgeting. You'll become educated in it. If you don't know how to sew, take a class. You'll find that as you learn more and more, it'll make your, your life more, I think, You'll become more experienced. It'll be more fun, exciting, as well as fulfilling. Probably more fulfilling. The Internet. You know, the Internet's a vast educational tool that has a wealth of knowledge to share. YouTube. YouTube has educational videos on almost everything, doesn't it? I'm amazed. I have to repair one of our vehicles or something, and I can find dozens of videos the guys have taken doing the particular repair that I need done. I'm, st- I'm actually rather stunned by that. You know? but, it, but you can be educated. Make use of it to make your home a heaven on earth, bring glory to God in the process. Um, and be sure to set goals for yourself. I spoke of this uh, a little earlier. Set goals for yourself. Set family goals. That will encourage you to keep moving forward and not become stagnant. You know? Review your goals every so often and see where you are in in reaching those goals. What we see in many families today is a neglect, really, of the husband and home by the wife as she engages in too many pursuits outside the household. Or sometimes she's just being too lax in her God-given duties. And I'll tell you, there's a reason why the devil created soap operas. There's a reason why he created game shows. There's a reason why these are emotional things that attracts the ladies. Remember the differences between men and women. Women are more emotional than the men are. Men can be more detached and isolated. These things are created to take the ladies away from her mission. Okay? 
And we see that today. Many that are uh, neglecting their mission in their home. And these ladies tend to think that some other service outside the home is better for their skills and maybe their education, you know, uh, than the duty that they have in their home. And the feminist movement has played a large role in that confusion. And this uh, feminist attitude um, has been ingrained in our culture for so long and to such a degree that we find it well within the walls of the church. And I want you to remember that whatever is cultivated in the family will be found in the church. Modern day Eves are looking for something beyond what the Lord has for them and the family. The family need. It's left unfulfilled. Just as Eve was deceived into thinking she could do greater things you know, than what the Lord asked of her, uh, these ladies fall for the same deception. It's cloaked with a robe of righteousness. So duties are neglected. And not only are they neglected, you'll find that they're looked down upon. Friends, as we go through some of this, I mean, can you see how subtle the devil is in attacking the family circle? Very subtle. Here's some counsel regarding that. From the Adventist Home, page 246. If you ignore your duty as a wife and mother and hold out your hands for the Lord to put another class of work in them, be sure that He will not contradict Himself. He points you to the duty you have to do at home. If you have the idea that some work greater and holier than this has been entrusted to you, you are under a deception. <laughs> By faithfulness in your own home, working for the souls of those who are nearest to you, you may be gaining a fitness to work for Christ in a wider field. So, if, you know, if you ignore your role, gentlemen or ladies. Thinking that God has called you to a greater work, you are deceived. It's really that simple. So beloved, let me encourage you to seek after that which doesn't perish. Amen? The greatest role, and you've heard me say this before, the greatest role you can have in the kingdom of God is the role that He has made for you. Never forget that. The greatest place to be is where God has placed you. The home is a training facility for mission work. You see, what is learned in the home is going to be taken outside the home. Remember the statement from Adventist Home, page 319? We read, in the home the foundation is laid for the prosperity of the church. The influences that rule in the home life are carried into the church life. Therefore, church duties should first begin in the home. That's where they begin. That's why our family, Christian family, is a symbol of the family in heaven. It is a home, church. And so I say, please, you know, beloved, don't fall for the devil's lie that your work in the home is not as important as your work outside the home. Now, I'm speaking here primarily to the ladies. 
although the husbands also have a work in the home. The Lord has repeatedly stated that it's the most important work for you. And men, please obey the Lord in this regard as well. You know, give your wife the godly love and respect that the Lord commands that they are due. Let me share this. Councils on Health, page 430. As you faithfully do your duty in the home, the father as a priest... And let me tell you for just a second here. She says, the father as a priest. And I covered this a bit in, in the, the study about the leader of the home. You will never find a woman as a priest of the home in the Bible. That's not there. You'll never find it. And I'm just bringing this up because that tells us a lot about church organization. But she says, as you faithfully do your duty in the home, the father as a priest of the household, he's the priest of the household, the mother as a home missionary, you are multiplying agencies for doing good outside of the home. As you improve your own powers, you are becoming better fitted to labor in the church and in the neighborhood. By binding your children to yourselves and to God, Fathers and mothers and children become laborers together with God. And here's a, here's a godly example I'll share with you of uh, being a missionary in the home and how that has trained to be outside the home. In Acts 9 and verse 36, we learn about a lady named Dorcas. You ever heard of Dorcas? I'm sure you have. It says, Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. Now, where do you think she got the training for that? I believe that Dorcas was an example of the Proverbs 31 woman. Proverbs 31 verse 20 says, She stretcheth out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. Dorcas first learned to be a missionary to the poor by being a missionary at home. So not only is the woman to be hard-working, we look at this, to be hard-working for the family good, she is to be industrious, uh, industrious enough, and we talked about that before in part two, um, to be generous and kind-hearted to others. You know, what an example of Christ to her family and her neighbors, a true missionary. So you learn it in the home. It's cultivated in the home. And as we read, inspired counsel, when you cultivate that righteousness, fulfilling your role in the home, you're better experienced and able to perform it outside the home. A fifth role of the wife 
Now, I say wife because this particular role is for someone who's married and not single, um, primarily. And I'll clarify that in a moment. Fifth role of the wife is that of being a mother. And this is the ideal. Remember, we're talking about the ideals here. There are all situations in our world today. Okay, These are principles. These are the ideals. And this is what the Lord has ordained. Genesis 1, verse 28, God blessed them. God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Okay. So this is one of the roles that a woman was created to fulfill. It's to be a mother. Ministry of Healing, page 356. He, that's God, He ordained that men and women should be united in holy wedlock. Men and women should be united in holy wedlock. (laughs) Not what we hear much today in our culture, is it? Again, another attack on God's definition of a family and marriage. He ordained that men and women should be united in holy wedlock to rear families whose members, crowned with honor, should be recognized as members of the family above. Now, there are to be preparations made before becoming a parent. That's not what Hollywood sets out. Far from it. Too many couples have children without much thought to the responsibilities that having a child has upon each member of the household. Too many look at having a baby like more like getting a pet. No, friends. We we got to take time to consider the ramifications involved as well as you know, educating ourselves to God's will in the matter of becoming a parent. Having a child without considering all the ramifications, being educated to be a parent, it's a sin. Plain out. Ministry of Healing, page 380. Too much importance cannot be placed upon the early training of children. The lessons learned, the habits formed during the years of infancy and childhood, have more to do with the formation of the character and the direction of the life than have all the instruction and training of after years. That is a remarkable statement. And scientifically, today it's being found to be true. Gee, go figure. Parents need to consider this. They should understand the principles that underlie the care and training of children. They should be capable of rearing them in physical, mental, and moral health. Parents should study the laws of nature. They should become acquainted with the organism of the human body. They need to understand the functions of the various organs and their relation and dependence. They should study the relation of the mental to the physical powers and the conditions required for the healthy action of each. To assume the responsibilities of parenthood without such preparation, she says, is a sin. And this is something that the church has failed at and families have failed at in the right training 
So another reason why we see such confusion in the world today. And the divorce rate and families being torn apart. They've gone into such things without a right understanding and education. Contemplating prayerfully the ramifications. I mean, these are strong words to consider before having children, don't you think? <laughs> now, besides replenishing the earth, as we read there in Genesis one twenty-eight, why else would the Lord want men and women to be parents? There is a reason. Yeah, to fu- to fill the earth. Yeah, right. Grow the kingdom. Do you think it would have anything to do with revealing to us something about our character and the character of God? Well, it does. <laughs> it teaches us something about God. We are recreating. God is a creator. So there are lessons there. But notice this. This Testimonies for the Church, Volume 2, page 647. Care and affection for dependent children removes the roughness from our natures, makes us tender and sympathetic, and has an influence to develop the nobler elements of our character. Care and affection for dependent children. What's it do? It helps to remove the roughness from our characters. We become more tender-hearted. As she says there, makes us tender, makes us sympathetic. We talk to babies like we're babies. <laughs> don't, don't we? It, it helps us to develop, like she said, nobler elements of our character. Now, some women, they don't or can't have children, and that's okay. I mean, God doesn't command that you do uh, have children or else you're lesser than others. Okay? But for those who cannot have children, let me tell you, you can still benefit your character and help form the character of children who have no mother. And there are many children in the world that don't have mothers. There are many children in and out of the church that you could help to know Jesus and in turn would help you with your character development. There are many opportunities, ladies. So many opportunities that God gives to us. You can take advantage of that. A sixth role of the woman is that of being a teacher. Being a teacher. Now this this encompasses all aspects of education, mental, physical, and spiritual. We are to teach our children the ways of God, not the ways of the world. Now, of course, there will be some ways of the world that do need to be taught. That's just so that we can function in the world. You know, in our country, you, in order to drive an automobile, you have to have a license. That's the way of the world. That's okay, but that's not what I'm talking about. The way of the world spiritually is not to be taught. Okay? 
Now it's left up to you to choose how to educate your children. You know, what methods, what school, public, private, homeschool. I endorse homeschooling if at all possible because, I, you know, it benefits the entire family in so many ways. Your child will not learn, I'll tell you this, your child will not learn God's way in a public school as that cannot be taught. Being associated with so many unbelievers can cause tremendous damage to the spiritual well-being of your child in a public school. And I'll tell you this from our own experience and things that I've seen. Some church schools are worse than public schools. So you've got to do your homework before deciding on, on a church school. Really on any school, but... You know what I'm saying? We removed our children from public and church school. I would tell you this, homeschooling takes a real commitment. It takes a real commitment. But remember that God has given you the command to teach your child in the way to go. So consider it prayerfully before making a decision. Ignore the condemnation of the world and think what is best for the child and the family. Would God approve of it or not? That's the key, isn't it? Proverbs 22.6, I've alluded to this before. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. goes right with the statement that a child gets more development from infancy through toddler than the rest of their life in the formation of character. They, if they're trained up right, and, and we've seen this, in fact, our hope is this for our, our own children and many children we know, that they've been raised up correctly in the Lord during that young time, that when they get older, they indeed will come back. The Adventist Home, page 184. From the light that God has given me, I know that the husband and the wife are to be in the home minister, physician, nurse, and teacher, binding their children to themselves and to God, training them to avoid every habit that will in any way militate against God's work in the body, and teaching them to care for every part of the living organism. The mother must ever stand preeminent in this work of training the children, while grave and important duties rest upon the father, the mother, by almost constant association with her children, especially during their tender years, must always be their special instructor and companion. You see, she was created to be that. She should take great care to cultivate neatness and order in her children, to direct them in forming correct habits and tastes. She should train them to be industrious, self-reliant, and helpful to others to live and act and labor as though always in the sight of God. Now, you know, when I'm learning and, and I read things that pertain to me and I see in the past where I've really screwed up, the devil will try to use that as a wedge to, to discourage me and try to move me into being despondent about it and just give up hope. But God takes us where we are. 
He knows what we've done in the past. He knows where we failed. We need to let that go. Because there's really nothing we can do about it, is there? So don't let the devil hang that on your hook. He'll try. He'll always try. What we need to do is look to Jesus and keep looking up. We're forgiven for that. And God works on the principle of multiplication. Never stop praying for your children. Do what's right now. Be faithful now. Be educated now. Begin your education. Let go of the past. Amen? Notice this, Sermons and Talks, Volume 2, page 271. The husband is the house band. The husband, the priest of the household, and the wife is the teacher. As she, as she shall fill her place in the household, whatever... I had a tough time with that. That's like a tongue twister there. As she shall fill her place in the household, whatever may be her employment. If she has children to nurse and take care of, let me tell you there is a lesson there. Oh, such a lesson that God wants everyone to learn. The wife, united with the husband in the fear of God, is to be a strength and power in the church. God can make them thus. Unity in the home will help bring unity in the church. God, if you're home, and this has been the whole emphasis about why we're studying the family unit, because it pertains to the church and gospel order. Beloved, it's a key. If we can bring our families in the gospel order and our eyes upon Christ, we'll see such a movement on this world that it'll hasten the Lord's coming. It's that important. So many things to learn that we can learn from this. Proverbs 29, verse 15. The rod and reproof give pain. Yes, they do, but that's not what it says. The rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Okay? No matter what we're doing, friends, whatever it may be we're, we're doing, there, will be, there can be extremes to it. You understand what I mean by that? You can coddle a child. That's giving it too much attention. And that's not good. Or you can leave a child to themselves and that's not good either. Well, we want the balance. We want the rod and reproof. Because we want our children to be wise, to learn not to play in the street. Okay? Not to be out after a certain time. Not to touch a stove that's hot. Not to... You, you know what I mean. And when they're young, there are methods of discipline. As they get older, you can get more into reasoning with them. But there still can be punishments. We need to learn that a teenager doesn't necessarily need to be paddled like a toddler. What do you think about that, Alex? you agree with that? Yeah, I thought you would. But let's trust the Word of God. The rod and reproof give wisdom. 
but a child left to himself bringing his mother to shame. Discipline is a key to training children between right and wrong. And this shows, actually, a true love for them and a concern for their well-being. They will become more attached to you. Okay, as long as you're doing it with the right motivation and not out of anger. Right? Testimonies for the Church, Volume 5, page 325. Any child that is permitted to have his own way will dishonor God and bring his father and mother to shame. Light has been shining from the Word of God and the testimonies of His Spirit so that none need err in regard to their duty. God requires parents to bring up their children to know Him and to respect His claims. They are to train their little ones as the younger members of the Lord's family to have beautiful characters and lovely tempers that they may be fitted to shine in the heavenly courts. By neglecting their duty and indulging their children in wrong, parents, listen to this, parents close to them the gates of the city of God. Sure, because what are they doing? They're cultivating within them selfishness and not selflessness. Ministry of Healing, pages 334 and 335. There is work for mothers in helping their children to form correct habits and pure tastes. Educate the appetite. Teach the children to abhor stimulants. Bring your children up to have moral stamina to resist the evil that surrounds them. Teach them that they are not to be swayed by others, that they are not to yield to strong influences, but to influence others for good. This is one of the most important roles that a mother has. So be dedicated in looking up to Jesus and your children will see Him in your words and in your actions, in your behavior. Which itself is teaching them right behavior, isn't it? And this actually leads, it's pretty good, it leads right into the next role, the seventh role. This is the last one I have for you. The seventh role for a woman, and the last shall be first, Jesus said. The seventh role for the woman is to be God-fearing. Proverbs 31 and verse 30. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. All I have to do is trust God, trust His word. The woman that fears the Lord shall be praised. For this completes and crowns her character, you see. Whether she eats or drinks or whatsoever she does, she does all to the glory of God. And she shall be praised. She won't be praised by the world. Necessarily. 1 Peter chapter 3. Verses 3 to 6. And here, Peter's speaking to this inward adornment. He says, Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair. That's braiding the hair with, they used to braid the hair with strands of gold and silver and, you know. So he says, 
whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair, and of wearing of gold, or of putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. God values that. For after this manner in the old time, the holy, holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. What is Peter telling us here? What's he saying? He's given some character traits, isn't he? And how to develop a right character. In Second Peter, he goes more into it. How do we attain that Christian perfection? But here he's on that course. And he's laying out some attributes of the role of, of the woman. You see, a Christian wife will follow Sarah's example of gentle, unassertive behavior in their homes and elsewhere. A Christian wife will not become upset by frightening situations that sometimes arise. You know, from the, maybe the attitude of an unbelieving husband. From the problems that are ever present in, in you know, raising children. Or from maybe condemnation, you know, ill will expressed by friends who are unbelievers or neighbors that are unbelievers. The problems of life drive her actually nearer to God. They don't discourage her. And that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to discourage. Adventist home, page 237. Diligently she will study His Word. She will keep her eyes fixed upon Christ that her own daily experience in the lowly round of care and duty may be a true reflection of the one true life. You see, she keeps her eyes on Christ. She realizes that that's the connection that keeps her sane. <laughs> A woman who sets godliness as her greatest want will, through Christ, achieve it to the betterment of herself as well as all those around her. The character of Christ will be manifest in her life, thus it will be manifest in her home. And as she becomes more and more the virtuous woman that God has promised she can be, she then will be called blessed and be praised. Not from the world, necessarily, but by her husband, by her children, her household. Proverbs thirty-one twenty-eight: Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Now, talking with my wife, you know about this subject and 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 some of it what we've studied may seem daunting and, and it can be at first 
Because the truth reveals where we come short. In all of us. And so, when we see that, we can go, oh, wow. It may seem impossible. And and I can tell you that if you try to do it on your own, it will be impossible. (laughs) You'll be able to make some changes or whatever, but, you know. But once you start on the walk with Christ... Wrong habits will be changed to right ones, you see. And that's what has to be done. Our wrong habits have to be changed to right ones. In order to fulfill our roles as husband, as wife, and we'll get into children later, because they have a role. Um, It will become more and more habitual. It will be habit. Forming. I was thinking about that habits I've mentioned that a few times have you ever considered that most of life is habitual blank faces yeah. evidently you haven't oh you have most of life is habitual you do the same things you did yesterday the day before and every day you know for the last month for the last year for several years it's estimated that out of every 11,000 signals we receive from our senses and we receive thousands from our senses our brain only consciously processes about 40 that means that we do an awful lot of things without thinking like driving, following a car through a red light. We just don't think about it. It's just a, it, because it's a habit. Habits are routines that we do each day without really thinking about it, regardless of what our senses may be saying to us. And habits, good or bad, make us who we are to a great degree. They help form our character. Let me share this with you. It's Signs of the Times, April 30th, 1894. Listen to this. This is good. It's not through one act that the character is formed, but by a repetition of acts that habits are established and character confirmed. To have a Christ-like character, it is necessary to act in a Christ-like way. If we want to be like Jesus, we must establish right habits that will help us form a character like His. Makes sense, doesn't it? We must behave as He would. So what did Jesus do? That would be the first thing. If we want to behave like Jesus, we need to know about Jesus, don't we? We need to know how He behaved, how He spoke, His actions. John 15.10 Jesus said, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. The only way that we can form righteous habits is to, and to become more like Jesus, is to abide in His love. 
when you abide in His love, where Jesus said, I and you and you and me, you'll begin to form righteous habits because you'll be doing His works out of love for Him. And only with God's grace is it even possible. Jeremiah 31.33 But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. So as you abide with God, you look to Jesus, you abide with God, you become, you cultivate more and more love for Him. He writes His laws, His commandments, His character traits within you. You begin performing righteous habits. You cultivate them. And you put away the unrighteous ones by God's grace. You see, when we allow God to write His law upon our hearts, we're changed from our old life to a new life. We become a different person. His desires become our desires. As the psalmist said in Psalms 40 and verse 8, I delight to do thy will, O my God. That means the psalmist had been changed. Because in the beginning we're enemies with God. We don't want to do God's will. But as we allow God into our heart, He changes us. And His will becomes our delight. I delight to do Thy will, O my God. Yea, Thy law is within my heart. And it's the one thing about the Ten Commandments that tells us righteousness from unrighteousness. And when you do away with the law, you're left with unrighteousness. This is what Paul was trying to tell us. The law is a mirror. shows us where we're dirty shows how far away we are from the character of Christ. That law that's within our heart becomes a delight. We want to keep it. We want to do God's will. And just what is His will for each of us? Well, we've been looking at the differences between men and women. We've been looking at the biblical roles that they are to have, their responsibilities in regard to the family as well as the church. Living our role is how we become like Christ, beloved. This is how we form right habits that bring glory to God in what we say and what we think and what we do. And when when we fulfill the role that God has for us, keeping our eyes upon Christ, we will behave as Christ, who fulfilled the role God had for Him. So I want to encourage you to be like Jesus. I want to encourage the young boys and the men to be all that Jesus wants you to be. Godly men, godly husbands, godly fathers who love God with all their hearts and their families as themselves. I want to encourage the young girls and the women to be all that Jesus wants you to be. A virtuous woman a godly wife, a godly mother who fulfills the heart of God towards her family. And when we see that order come into the family, we will see it actuated in the church. 
Now, beloved, let me tell you that this is going to take work. It takes work to change our habits to conform to the will of God. But remember that it is by a repetition of acts that habits are established and character confirmed. When we establish righteous habits, we will do them without even thinking. So let's become educated to the righteous will of God concerning our roles as men and women. Then we can lay out goals to change what is out of order in our life. And by God's grace, establish right habits. I encourage you, it will become easier, beloved, as long as we are consistent in looking to Jesus and choosing His way above our own. So as you hear the role that the Lord has created you to fulfill, that He has developed for you, please don't stare at the mountain that needs moved. No, stare at Jesus. And by faith, that mountain will be moved. So in review, as I close out this particular study, what are some characteristics of men that are different than women? Remember, this was primarily for the ladies. But we can, as men, we can learn as well. First, men are more preoccupied, preoccupied with practicalities that can be understood through logical deduction. Two, men tend to be more conquer-oriented. Anything that can challenge their physical and mental prowess. That's what we tend to be like. Three, men tend to be less desirous and knowledgeable in building intimate relationships with either gender, other men or women. So they can accept change much quicker than a woman who is relationship-oriented. Four, men tend to be more task-oriented less talkative and more isolated. Five, men have a more difficult time understanding emotions that are not explicitly verbalized. This is the way our brain is wired. And sixth, men have also been wired to deal with everyday stress differently than women. Men compartmentalize their mind And there is a compartment in a man's brain that he can mentally run to and think about absolutely nothing. Men have the ability to think of nothing in order to get some relief from stress. We're wired that way to give our mind a chance to reboot. Why God did it that way, I I don't know. But He did. And I'll tell you that when the husband and wife are educated in the language of each, then joy will remain in their journey together to the kingdom of God, step by step, hand in hand, heart to heart. Now here are some books that will help educate you in fulfilling God's role in the family unit. I shared these before. Here I'll share them again. If Only He Knew by Gary Smalley. I uh, encourage the men to read that. Ladies can read it too. You can read it together. But the men, primarily, it's good for them. Uh, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. That's a good book for couples to read together, study together. His Needs, Her Needs by Willard F. Harley Jr. That's another good one that uh, couples I encourage to, to study together. And of course the book The Adventist Home by Ellen White. Very good in helping to bring gospel order to your home. Your relationships, your roles, your home.
Now, what have we learned concerning the biblical role of the woman? First, she is the helpmate for the man. Right? Second, she is to be a servant. Like I said before, men and women are created in the eyes of God, but we've learned that they have different roles. They're created a little bit different. But the woman is to submit to her husband, unless it places them in a position, again, of disobeying God. And remember, she's to be, she's a servant. She's not a slave. Slave says uh, ownership. To be a servant, you willingly submit. Third thing, she's to be the manager of the home. That includes being orderly, industrious, a nurse, a cook, a seamstress, a maid. Uh, She should be able to handle finances, etc. Fourth, she's to be a missionary. Her home is her main missionary field and school as she learns skills in leading her family to God. But she also ministers to the poor and needy as a missionary outside the home. The home is the training center, you see. Fifth, she is to be a mother. She's to be fruitful and multiply if the Lord wills. In our day and age, this is a decision that should be taken seriously with prayer and discussion with the husband. She can be a mother to children in and out of the church. So I encourage the ladies who, who you know, maybe couldn't have children. There are many opportunities to be a mother to, to motherless children. Six, she is to be a teacher. You see, she is preeminent in training her children in the ways of the Lord in everyday living. She was created to do that. She's around them more than the father in majority of the time. And the seventh thing, she is to be God-fearing. She is to love God with all her heart and be an example of Christ-like meekness to her family, her friends, neighbors, to all. And so as I close out, I I want to encourage men and women, husbands and wives, fathers and mothers, to consider all that the Lord has spoken in regards to your role in the family circle, the family unit. It's really, it's a serious matter, isn't it? One that needs attention if we wish to come together in gospel order as a people. You know, ready to receive the latter rain that the Bible says we are to pray for. I think we all love Christ and want to hasten His return. So let's work in our homes to do just that. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank You so very, very much for Your Holy Word. And we can find answers to salvational questions there. Answers for the the family and for the church in Your Word. Lord, I thank You for our helpmates. I thank You for the ladies that You created, for my wife, for the mother of my children, for all mothers and wives. You loved man so much that You you made him a helper. And Father, I pray that You be very near to each one, the men and the women, may have learned some things here for the first time. That you send the Holy Spirit angels to surround them and guide them to the truth that we may have gospel order in our homes. 
and thus in the church we can work in unity to bring the gospel to the world, the news of Jesus Christ and His soon coming. Please bless our families, protect our families, remove the devil, Lord, that we may learn and step forward more and more and more to the kingdom. We thank you so much for Jesus that we have the opportunity through Him to be a member of your family. May we remain so. Keep us tight, Lord, to your heart. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.